Oh Jay, how you've redeemed yourself. Despite Lewis getting away unscathed, for now, Ben still got to unleash his anger and start to heal. The episode opens with Kathy approaching Peter in Walford East to ask him to cover for her at the Albert again. Only Peter isn't too happy at the thought of having to work alongside Lewis. Even Peter spotted the red flags, and for Kathy it probably puts Lewis' own comment about Peter last week in a new, more sinister light. Kathy shares the news that he's going to fire Lewis, and Peter wonders what the urgency is and why she can't just wait until she finds a replacement. He's peeved at the assumption that it'll be him and asks why it can't be Ben, since he's caused this stress by cheating. Kathy elects to ignore the comment and instead tries to give Peter incentive by talking about his dad and how he'd see it as a business opportunity. I'm assuming that means that she's intending Peter to take over as the bar manager? Peter doesn't look like he takes the bait, until he quips that he's not his dad, he's much better looking. Kathy suggests he gets Bobby to cover the restaurant again, I guess presuming that Peter will do what he's told and cover at the Albert. She rushes out again, whilst leaving a voicemail for Ben to apologize if she put too much pressure on him but to insist that she's on his side, hoping he knows that. Meanwhile Ben is steadfastly ignoring the calls and voicemails as he sits in the cafe. It's not clear where he spent the night but going by Kathy's voicemail I assume it wasn't at the Beale house. Jay comes in and spots him, tells him he's been trying to ring him. Ben seems to be resenting the attention from both him and Kathy and makes a quick exit, sarcastically wondering why he hasn't been answering his calls as he does. Outside he gets a text back from Lewis, agreeing to meet and asking where. It makes Ben stop in the middle of the street, and after a little deliberation he decides to reply with 1pm at the Arches, and no kiss this time now that he's got the agreement. We next see Ben in the Arches, preparing for his meeting with Lewis. And by preparing, I mean he's rifling through the drawers to find a weapon that's big enough to ensure that he gets the job done. The spanners aren't good enough, but he eventually finds a crowbar and decides that'll do. I imagine that he's picturing Lewis impaled on the end of it as he's staring at it, you know what? Good for him. However, despite the anger, he's still scared, just like he was when he was carrying out the vigilante attacks. It comes from a similar place, channeling the fear into hurting your aggressor so they can't hurt you or anyone else, the only method of justice he knows. Yet when there's a bang on the door you can see how it shakes him, how he runs to reach for the crowbar but protects himself behind the car door at that same time. He watches the shadow under the arch's door, on high alert, but when the shadow walks on past, obviously not Lewis, Ben lets out the breath he was holding, leaning against the car as the adrenaline leaves him. Lewis is still at the Albert as Kathy watches from the doorway, psyching herself up to go and do what she has to do. Lewis' easygoing manner must be infuriating to her now and she advises him not to come back from the lunch break he's about to go on as he's fired. That was a close one, if she'd arrived any later he'd have been off to the arches. He doesn't take her seriously, referring it to the Wild West because of all these standoffs. He refers to his rights again, because he has a contract, but Kathy calls his bluff by inviting him to go ahead and sue her. She makes it clear she knows exactly what Lewis is and warns him that she doesn't want him anywhere near her business or her son. I'm sure Lewis knows that Kathy knows the truth, but it's not like he's ever going to admit that so he makes out like Kathy is jealous of him. Extremely gross, I know. But that is what he does, he plays innocent as he tries to gaslight people who challenge him, or distracts them with something that he knows will infuriate them. Kathy doesn't let him do that though and tells him straight to his face that he raped Ben. And she doesn't want to hear Lewis trying to deny it either, 
using the same tactic that he did with Ben and with Callum, about guilt and Callum being a boring Mr. Vanilla etc., refusing to be pulled into a discussion over whether Ben spun her a line or not, not least because she knows with absolute certainty that he hasn't. When Kathy threatens to call the police, Lewis brings up the fact that he knows Ben is the Walford attacker, asking what she thinks the police will be more interested in. Kathy's not expecting the revelation, but sees it for what it is and asks him what sort of game he's playing. Telling him that no one likes him did amuse me, but then Lewis brings up Ben's message asking him to meet, and he proposes that it's to kiss and make up, ew. Kathy's surprised by that too and she asks where, but Lewis dodges the question. However, Kathy knows Ben and how he operates, especially after recent events and their talk last week. I'd say she has a good idea of what Ben might be wanting to meet up for and she plays Lewis at his own game by putting doubts into his head about why Ben might want to chat. She doesn't even say it outright, but because they both know about vigilante Ben, she doesn't have to. She just shakes her head as if Lewis is an idiot and walks off, and it's enough to put some fear into Lewis, finally. He doesn't leave without emptying the till first though, and he forgets to take his keys as he leaves. Ben's still waiting for Lewis, unaware that he's scarpered. He gets into position again when the door opens, but it turns out to be Peter, making quips about how Ben is hiding out and wondering why he's being lumbered with the Albert just because Ben can't keep it in his pants. Thinks he's hilarious doesn't he? I reckon the second false alarm, plus the fact that 1pm has likely been and gone, prompts Ben to go out looking for Lewis instead of continuing to wait for him, leaving a confused Peter in his wake. After he's stormed out, Peter tries to call him back but then he's distracted by a phone call, and going by Peter's greeting about being sacked, I assume it's Lewis on the other end. Ben makes his way to the Albert with the crowbar in hand, he's a man on a mission and fully prepared to beat Lewis to a pulp in the middle of the day in front of witnesses. It's like he had psyched himself up for it and when Lewis didn't show, there's a buildup of energy that Ben needs to let out. Kathy is shocked to see Ben wandering around with a crowbar demanding to see Lewis, and she tells him that she fired him, he's gone. Ben asks her why, He's raging that she's warned him off, because he feels a decision has been taken out of his hands, and he says this to her. He walks around as if still looking for Lewis, and demands Kathy give him his address. Kathy refuses, and Ben asks if she's lying, presumably about Lewis being gone. He wants this release, this closure, desperately, hence the accusations that Kathy is hiding Lewis somewhere. He doesn't want to think about Lewis not answering for what he did. Jay spots the commotion and joins Kathy in trying to get Ben to stop waving the crowbar around, but Ben's hell-bent on the idea that Lewis is around and decides to check upstairs, the place where it happened. He doesn't go without swiping some glasses off a table with his crowbar, startling the other punters. Jay assures Kathy that he'll sort it as Ben heads outside, looking around him before looking up. He kicks open the door upstairs as Jay makes his way up after him. I think Jay knows upstairs is empty during the day and Ben can't go anywhere, so he's not rushing too much. Ben starts kicking stools about as if checking around them to see if Lewis is hiding near them, but it soon becomes apparent that it's less about finding Lewis and more about finding an outlet for his white-hot rage towards this man who ruined everything. Jay makes it to the top just as Ben catches sight of the sofa and drops the crowbar. That's where it happened, and Ben pulls it into the middle of the room as if to check Lewis isn't behind it, quickly picking up the crowbar again just in case. He's not behind it of course, and that means Ben's plan to get closure has fallen through. He stares at the sofa as he talks to Jay, caught up in the memory of that night as he talks about how he didn't even stop it from happening, that he just let Lewis do it. 
He's frozen for a moment, tears spilling over, and Jay doesn't respond. Ben then launches into a full-on assault on the sofa in front of him, screaming and roaring as he rips the upholstery to shreds. Jay watches but doesn't try to stop him, and I think he knows that Ben needs this release. And he'd be right. I think this helps Ben to reclaim back his agency and his power, with the sofa being particularly symbolic. I mean Louis' face would be preferable, but like Kathy, we don't want him risking prison, more than he already has anyway. When he's tired himself out, he drops the crowbar, then drops himself onto the ruined sofa, and lights up a cigarette. Which surprised everyone I think, even Jay asks him when he started smoking. And that tickled me because after waving a crowbar about, threatening Lewis and then ripping into the sofa, the smoking is the one thing that Jay highlights as not typical for Ben. The way it seemed to be treated as a novelty suggests to me that that's what it was meant to be. And that it's significant because of what it implies, it's a common TV trope for people to have a smoke after sex, like a come down after a satisfactory release, and I think this was what they were going for with Ben, he took back control, partly righted or wrong and is basking in his victory. He probably planned to do it after beating seven shades out of Lewis, but despite that not working out, he still managed to have that release. And to light up as he's sitting on the sofa as well, like he's taking back a feeling that he should have had that night instead of having all his agency taken from him. Jay sits down to join him in our last Ben scene, and starts with a little small talk about how Kathy's going to need a new sofa and joking about how they could have been disposing of a body instead, so silver lining. Ben takes one last drag as he considers that, but then suggests that having a body to get rid of might have made him feel better, particularly if it was Lewis. Jay counters that it would only have been momentary, and he'd have paid the price with a spell in prison, no freedom, and no Lexi or Callum. These are the people Jay knows Ben cares about most, but Ben's matter of fact as he talks about Callum, that he's left, and Ben can't see a way back for them now. Jay doesn't think it's as final as that, especially as Callum doesn't know what really happened, and he suggests Ben could tell him at some point, maybe work on things. But Ben's still convinced that it's better he doesn't because he doesn't deserve Callum anyway, that he always knew he'd hurt him and at least now Callum's rid of him. And that's a mindset that needs confronting at some point, but Jay decides now isn't the right time. Shout out to Kathy for peeking through the window, seeing that Ben is calm and with Jay, and leaving them to it. There's Jay and Kathy both convinced that Balam have a chance if Ben told the truth. But the thing is that Ben was right when he said that Callum would rather he cheated than knew he'd been raped, and not telling him is being done to protect him. So I'm not sure I can see a scenario where Ben compromises on that, especially not where his head is at where he still thinks the intent that night was enough to prove that he doesn't deserve Callum. Plus he'd be terrified that Callum was with him out of pity, so while I'm not sure how exactly Callum's going to find out, it seems like a slim chance of Ben actually telling him voluntarily at this point. Moving on, Jay brings up his words from the previous day, acknowledging that what he'd said wasn't great and that he didn't mean to make Ben doubt himself. But he didn't say anything that Ben hadn't thought himself, and Ben tells him as much, and points towards Lewis as well for planting those doubts too, that gaslighting. Ben goes on to talk about his coping method of threats and his fists, though I wouldn't say that, fists are rarely involved unless Ben wants to lose on purpose, I'd have replaced that with a crowbar, and how that's how he's programmed, Phil did that, as we know. He explains why, because it makes him feel in control. When he's scared or threatened, it's how he deals with it because it's the only way he knows how. He draws the parallel to the vigilante attacks himself, how he wanted to feel in control to offset the helplessness he felt about the homophobia around him that had threatened and actually taken away people he loves. 
And he even recognizes that doing that didn't help, because he was still frightened and vulnerable and he realizes that Lewis must have picked up on that. His anger and rage towards the homophobe served as a distraction so Lewis could manipulate him more easily. But while he refers to that as his weakness, Jay disagrees with him and tells him he's looking at it the wrong way. His vulnerability doesn't make him weak, it makes him human. He's telling Ben that Lewis took advantage of him and that it's on him, not Ben. He tells Ben to hang on to that, that humanity, because that's who he is. He's bigger than his Hardman persona. I think Ben is touched to hear that Jay thinks that about him and offers his own thoughts about Jay in return, about how he wanted to be like him when they were kids because Jay never hid behind an image, he was just who he was. And at Jay scoffing because of where that's got him, Ben tells him that he's a success in his eyes. Ben sees ordinary dependable Jay as a success story. Jay forces Ben to look at him as he tells him that he will get through this, just not by being a psycho. He does seem to realize that it's Ben he's talking to, especially when Ben raises his eyebrows as if to remind him, and clarifies that he means more of a psycho than Ben already is. Because Ben is chaotic and that's not going to change, but he can be chaotic in a safer way. He can find healthier coping mechanisms and get through this trauma without risking making it worse. It's so nice to see Ben smiling, and Jay did that. He feels safe with Jay, and they're making real progress as Jay's practicality comes in here as a strength now. Ben admits to him that what he said yesterday was wrong about this experience not changing him, it already has and he won't be the same again. Maybe accepting that will aid the recovery process. He's a survivor, and his mindset and thought processes are still all over the place. But he's calmer now. He turns down Jay's offer of going with him to the police, he can't. And Jay accepts that, but reminds Ben that the option is on the table whenever he feels the time is right. And Ben nods, like he's acknowledging the option. For now though, he's unsure of what he does now. Jay suggests they go away, and Ben starts to laugh at that. Maybe he's thinking of the fact that Kathy suggested that the previous day so finds it funny that Jay is saying it now after the comment about them being on rotation. It tickles him and he can't seem to stop, and maybe it's partly relief that he can laugh, still. Ben's touched once more by the fact that Jay would do that for him, go on a little holiday abroad together, but Jay jokes that he'd be doing him a favor because it would get honey out of his ear hole, that relationship going well then, and then they're both laughing. It had me beaming at the screen, I have to tell you. It felt like another release of emotion for Ben, after the tears and the rage. And God does he deserve a good laugh. He agrees to a little trip away, and still laughing, puts his head down onto Jay's chest for a little cuddle, almost in relief and in gratitude that he has him. I'm grateful too, they're adorable. And Ben getting out of Walford for a little bit is something I fully support, just for a little reprieve from everything. And at least he won't be on his own making unhealthy decisions. While that's happening though, Peter is meeting Lewis at the station to give him the keys back that he left behind. We see some of that attention that Lewis has been giving Peter, and Peter is obviously glad to see him go. He tells Lewis about Ben turning up with a crowbar at the Albert, maybe gossip from the punters who witnessed it, and that probably confirmed for Lewis what Ben's plans were for him. He doesn't let it show though and calls Ben tapped. Surprisingly enough, Peter actually sticks up for Ben, calling him family so Lewis should watch what he says. Unfortunately that little glimpse of family loyalty is probably the only time we'll see it, as Lewis relishes telling Peter that that loyalty doesn't go both ways, that his uncle Ben is the one who attacked him. And not only that, but Kathy knows too. Oh dear. I'm glad Ben isn't around for this fallout if I'm honest, 
but I'm intrigued to see what Kathy does to protect him tonight.